Hello and welcome to the evening service at Lansing Tad. It's just great to be able to share the Word of God again and to come back to Mark chapter 12. So we really pray that you'll enjoy this message, which in fact is going to be preached by one of my sons, Steve. So enjoy, take in the Word of God and be blessed. Now the great thing about doing these videos rather than being in person with you is you didn't know if it weren't for the fact I'm about to tell you that this is the 56th time that we've done this recording. Poor Wren is on the floor in a sleeping bag now um, just about staying up with a few cups of coffee to do this video with me. Just joking. Thankfully it wasn't that many takes but that is a luxury with this kind of style. Mark chapter 12. I'm just going to read the last few verses of that chapter, starting with verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched a crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Praise God for his work. Let's pray together before we go any further. Father God, we want to hear your voice tonight. We want to hear your voice speaking to each and everyone who will be watching this recording. I pray you would even speak to me now. We want you to do the talking this evening. Ask that, as I have the privilege of being your mouthpiece, that every word would be from you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because we thank you that we come here this evening in our homes, wherever we are, whatever day of the week and whatever time that we see this message. With a faith that says, God speaks today. God speaks God speaks and so we don't just come to hear a nice idea or to receive a pat on the back but we come to encounter the almighty God the God who loved us so much that he sent his son that he sent his son into the world with a mission to rescue us to redeem us to save us and to help us to live a life that will bring you praise. And I ask that your Holy Spirit would fall on each of us, opening our eyes more this evening, right now, whatever time it is, wherever we are, to the fact that Jesus died to set us free. And that we, in response, would go deeper in our walks with you tonight. And that as we think about the scripture this evening, we will be drawn near to you 
we would experience you and we would love you more better stronger purer in jesus name amen when we think about the times that we're living in there are some heroes that are getting some of the press and it's really good because it's not all being focused on the difficulties people are being celebrated for the good work that they're doing particularly the NHS have been highlighted for the great work they're doing in helping people who have been struck by the coronavirus and in even working towards finding preventative measures for this horrible virus. But what's interesting is that there are some unsung heroes out there. And I want to just mention one due to time's sake. Has anyone thought about those working in prisons? Has anyone thought about those prison guards, those prison officers, all of those people, chaplains, all sorts, working in prisons who are doing such an important job at this time? They're not going to be allowed any time off unless they become unwell. And for all we know, these prisons could in fact already have people unwell in them and the potential of the virus spreading in those zones and that could be a huge issue and we, and we should pray we should pray about those kind of situations but I don't want to go on a tangent with that because the main thing I wanted to do was just to highlight that there are some unsung heroes in this situation with the coronavirus like those prison guards like those prison officers those chaplains all those working in the prison who are doing the selfless work to um, look after those who are doing time and to keep them in order but also are really blessing our society by continuing to do that work because of course all these people can't just be set free it's not as simple as that so how does that link in with the scripture that I read earlier well it links in because this lady this widow is an unsung hero how often do we hear her preached about we wouldn't think of her very often. We would think of much more notable characters in the Bible who, of course, similar to the NHS, deserve that recognition, of course. But what's interesting is that this lady, this widow, is one of the few people in the Bible who clearly gave their all, who gave their all to help others. What an incredible lady. What an incredible woman who was willing to give up those two coins which in the world's eyes were worthless or pretty worthless but to her were her livelihood she gave it all she gave her all when she gave these two coins and Jesus noted that and Jesus highlighted that and Jesus wanted us to take real notice pay real attention to that because this is the heart of our response to Jesus. Now, when we come to Jesus and we realise that we are sinful and we need a saviour and that he took it upon himself to pay the price for the horrible sin, every part of sin, whether we think it's horrible or not, that we've done, that we do, our darkest thoughts, our darkest deeds, everything to do with sin all the darkness if you're not sure what sin means a good way of thinking of it is darkness all the darkness that is in our hearts 
and the dark things we have said, fought and done. All of this stuff, it needed to be dealt with. And Jesus said, I'll pay the price for your sin. I'll take the bullet for your sin. Jesus did this. And when we really believe that that is the case, that we believe we needed a saviour, that our sin is that dirty, that filthy, that terrible, well then we realise what a wonderful saviour the Lord Jesus is. And when he was nailed to that cross, all of our sin was paid for in full, even incredibly. And this I find the hardest bit to take in and I have to just pinch myself. Even the sins we've not done yet, the sins that I'll do in 30 years, if God willing, I am blessed with another 30 years or even more. This is mind-blowing. What a gospel. No wonder the gospel means good news. There's no, there's no clause in the contract. There's no small print that we could miss out on. This is a very clear message. I did it all for you, Jesus said. I did it all for you. It is finished. I did it all. And so, in our response, there can only be one thing that we do in return. And this is why there isn't any clause, because it's something that just has to happen when you've really taken in that that was the gift, that it was that great. And that is, we want to give him our whole lives. Now, you might think, well, that's a bit extreme, you know, to give him your whole life, you know. But you need to think about the significance of what Jesus has done. And if it's true, if it's really true, and the Bible says it again and again and again, so we can believe it's true, in so many ways, Scripture tells it, that there is no condemnation for us because of Jesus. There is no condemnation, there's no punishment. Though we deserve death, though we deserve even death on a cross, which... That's hard to get our head around, but, but we do. We, did, we deserve the death penalty. The cross was the death penalty of the time, and we deserve the death penalty because our sin is filthy. We might not realise it, but it really is terrible. Even the person in the world that we think is the most loveliest, the nicest, most kindest, well, they will have horrible thoughts at times. They will at times wish bad upon people, or at least they will do something that is far from God's best. And the penalty is death. The Bible's clear on that, that, that the penalty, the wages of sin, are death. And so that death penalty, which at that time was the cross, well, that is the price. That is the price of our sin. Seriously, it is that bad. Our sin is that bad. Our sin is awful. And we can't get away from it because it... it lingers with us, it's with us everywhere we go but out of his great love Jesus said but I'll pay for that though you have brought this upon yourself because you had the freedom to choose to say no to sin and yes to me though I'm not ignoring of course being born in sin means it's inevitable we will sin it doesn't change the fact that we all choose to sin at times. So even without that, being born in sin, you know, we, we are choosing to go against God. Jesus said, even though you're filthy with your sin, you've gone against God. I love you. 
I love you and I want to redeem you. And I want you to know forgiveness. I want you to know peace. And I want you to know me in full. And so, how can our response not be to give him our lives? For he has given his life. Jesus died upon the cross to pay for our sins so that we don't need to live in guilt and condemnation anymore. It's really, really tough to believe that we are sinful. It's so difficult to believe that we're so sinful that we did deserve death on a cross. That's really hard to believe if you really stop and think about it because some of us just feel like we've barely done anything wrong compared to others. But that is the gospel. That is the message. That is the bad news of the gospel. But the great news, the good news, the wonderful news is that Jesus has paid for that sin in full and I'm repeating myself intentionally because we need this drilled home because I've heard the gospel a million times and I still struggle to take it in I said before I have to pinch myself that he's even paid for my future sins wow this is incredible so it's no exaggeration for us to give our life to him now you might think but how do I do that because I'm still going to keep on sinning Well, you're absolutely right. You will keep on sinning. And I'll keep on sinning. Because we're not perfect. And like I say, that sin lingers. That sin's around us. It's it's inescapable. We can't get away from it. And as, as I also referred to, we're born in sin. So it's like in us from the first place. So, though, yeah, we've got to take responsibility. We choose to sin. So even if none of that stuff was the case, we're still guilty because of our choices. It doesn't... Um, ignore the fact that sin is so deep, so complicated, that's around us all everywhere anyway, and we can't get away from it. Even Paul, the apostle, uh, expressed in Romans 7 the struggle that sin is just inescapable, as I say. It's so terrible. But what's great is that we have the power of the Holy Spirit. When we became a Christian, when we realised we needed a saviour, that we're sinful and we needed a saviour, even if we didn't quite realise just how sinful we are, I think that's something we learn more and more as we get uh, older in our faith, more mature in our faith. And thankfully, along with that comes a greater understanding of just how great his love is then. Because if our sin really is that awful, wow, his love's even better than I thought it was. Well, the Holy Spirit that enabled us to start to see that, to see that he is our saviour and that we needed him, Well, the Holy Spirit also can give us the power to overcome. The Bible says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, and that's the important part of the gospel that I hadn't got to yet, of how he raised from the dead. So he didn't just die for us on the cross, incredible as that was, but he also rose from the dead, meaning that we can also rise from the dead and be with him in heaven, all because of Jesus. Well, that same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can overcome. Now, that still doesn't mean that we're never going to sin. But what it means is that we don't need to live our lives thinking, I can't do this. I'm never going to be able to overcome this. It might be that there's some sins we particularly struggle with, some darkness in this world we particularly struggle with, including things like fear and anxiety, which we've got to remember can be a sin, not always, but can be a sin because they can mean we're not trusting God. 
And that's really dangerous when we're not trusting God. So we, we can't ignore that fear and anxiety can also be sins. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can in time overcome anything, even our greatest fears, our most terrible greed, our biggest cravings, all these different things that are sinful. And they're sinful if they displease God. And the Word of God is really helpful in helping us know what displeases God, along with the power of the Holy Spirit. We, we live our lives knowing that we can overcome and so that even though it's difficult that we still sin at times, well, we've got to keep believing. We've got to keep getting up and walking on with Jesus. It's a bit like if you fell over, just physically, you fell over. You wouldn't just stay on the ground, would you? You'd get up. You'd get up pretty instantly. Partly because of being embarrassed, partly because it's uncomfortable. You'd get up and you'd keep walking, wouldn't you? And spiritually, when we sin, we fall over. We fall over. So why do we choose to just lie on the ground? Why do we roll in the mud and think, oh, I'm so terrible and, well, as I've done one sin, I might as well do ten more because I've screwed up anyway. We wouldn't do that if we physically fell over, so let's not do it if we spiritually fall over, which is even more, more significant. Let's get up straight away. Go, going back to the Saviour knowing that he will forgive us. Now, that doesn't mean we abuse his grace, but what it means is we know his arms are always open and his arms outreaching. He, he'll even help us get up. That's the incredible thing. He doesn't turn his back when we fall over. He's there ready. How amazing is that? He's there ready to lift us up when we fall. It's incredible. Our Lord Jesus is incredible. He will forgive us again and again and again. Like I say, that doesn't mean we abuse his grace and it's really important to stress. We don't just say, well, we'll do what we want then because he's going to pick us up and his arms will be up. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's spitting in Jesus' face to be blunt. When he's done all he has for us, including, and most importantly, through dying for us on the cross, we can't live our lives like that. That is, that is a no-go. But, we can live our lives without that horrible burden of being perfectionists and living in a way where we feel that God's going to just be angry at us all the time or that we're useless all the time and all these other things that are really not helpful. The kind of things that will help us to stay on the ground. And we don't want to be helped to stay on the ground. We want to be helped up. So when we fall, when we recognise we've fallen, let's look up and see he's there with his arm outreached and get up and get back on with walking for Jesus and just say, please, Lord, help me defeat that sin. Help me get stronger. Help me be wiser in knowing how I can avoid being in positions where I'm particularly vulnerable to those kind of sins. Our life should be a life of getting ever closer to Jesus and ever further from sin. Now, it might not be as straightforward as that, but that's the goal. That's the goal. And we need to keep our eyes on the goal. We need to keep our eyes on the prize and the Lord Jesus. Keep walking closer to Jesus. And, yeah, not make it overcomplicated, but just think, whether I fall or not, I just get back up and I keep following Jesus. Or if I haven't fallen, I just keep following Jesus. But, again, I want to stress that this is not some clause in the contract. We are saved by grace. We are saved by grace. But, we do follow him when we've really expect, accepted this wonderful grace. So that is significant, but it's not a clause in the contract. It is an inevitable outcome of knowing the Lord Jesus and knowing what he's done for us. So when we think about the fact that this widow gave her all in her situation, 
besides walking away from sin. What does it mean for us to give our all to Jesus? Well, I really want to share very briefly a story from Genesis 22. I'm not going to read the scripture, so maybe check that out for yourself. But in Genesis 22, in Genesis chapter 22, Abraham is told by God to sacrifice his son Isaac. His son Isaac. He's told to sacrifice his son Isaac. This is the only time in the Bible where someone's asked to do this. And Abraham's willing to do it because he loves God that much. Does that mean he doesn't love his son? No, he absolutely adored his son. He wanted this son for so many years and finally got this son. This wasn't easy for Abraham, but his love for God was even greater. And why? Because he remembered that the giver is greater than the gift. And that's really significant and really important that we remember everyone and everything in our lives is a gift from God and that we should not love them more than the giver. And in a time of great instability at the moment, with all this coronavirus stuff, where it's so easy for us to live in fear, terrified of what might happen to people we love or even to ourselves, without even realising, we can make idols. We can make it that the gifts are more important to us than the giver. Now, I'm not saying that we live our lives uh, foolishly, where we ignore the advice of the NHS or anything like that. But what I'm saying is that when we take extreme measures that we're not even being advised to take by the NHS, but we're doing because we're terrified of something happening to someone we love or ourselves, well, it's idolatry. You might not realise it, but it's idolatry. We, We have made it the thing in our lives, or at least in a lot of the time in our lives. Only Jesus should be in that top spot. And the good news for you and for me is that that's how we want to live, isn't it? We don't want to live our lives with fear in the top spot or, or anything else that would get in the way of us having freedom in Christ, of really living for Christ, of, of shining with Christ's radiance. We don't want that. And so we should live our lives with arms wide open, like Abraham did, where he was even willing to sacrifice his son. Now, the good news is, for Abraham, that God did not, in the end, get Abraham to go through with that. He spared Isaac. He spared Isaac. But it doesn't take away from the fact that it was important for Abraham to be willing. And you may struggle to hear this, but we do need to be willing to let go and give up anyone and anything that God tells us to. We really do. Just as Abraham was willing to give up his precious, precious son, Isaac, because the giver is far more important than the gift. This doesn't downplay the fact that our people, our families, our our friends, even to an extent possessions, that these things are important and our blessings, obviously, particularly people, by far. But they should never become more important than the giver, than the creator of all. We need to live our lives devoted to Jesus. As I said in this morning's message, we are to love God with all our body, all our strength, all our mind, all our heart, all our spirit, our everything. That's what we're called to do. We're not called to do that with people. We're called to do that for God. 
And part of that is loving people. But the big thing is that we just have this deep relationship with God where we love him far more than we love anyone or anything else. And the way that we can remember that he deserves that love and the way we can love him like that is we wouldn't have any of these things without him. Praise God for the fact that you have the people in your life who you love. Praise God for anything else that's a blessing to you. Praise God. Praise God. Not man. Praise God. And let's live for Jesus. Let's live a life of beautiful surrender to Jesus where we're willing to give up anyone and anything for him. And what's incredible is that though this is a hard thing to do, it's easy when we know Jesus. It's easy when we know Jesus. When the disciples, before they were disciples, met Jesus, many of them just dropped their nets and followed him. They dropped their vocations, their livelihood, and followed him. Similar to the fact that this lady has given up everything to give this offering. And why with Jesus? Because Jesus was mesmerising. Jesus was captivating. Jesus is mesmerising. Jesus is captivating. And we must drop our nets and follow him. We must not allow anything or anyone in our lives to be more important to us than the giver to the saviour of all. God bless you. Well, thank you, Steve, for that really great message. And uh, we're looking to God to bless us during this week. Do remember to pray for one another. Do remember to worship God and read the scriptures on your own. And uh, by God's grace, next Sunday, we'll be able to share with you the two services again. So on behalf of the elders of Lansing Tab, we thank God for you, we're praying for you, and we're looking for God to bless us at this time. Thank you indeed for watching.